0: In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to be fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled: The Real Stories Behind Success, Episode 22. Today's guest, Ron Douglas. Now, Ron is a New York Times best-selling author, the America's Most Wanted Recipe Book series, which has sold over 1.5 million copies. He's been featured on Good Morning America, Home Shopping Network, Fox and Friends, NBC News, and in People Magazine. Ron holds an MBA in finance and investments, is a chartered financial analyst and has worked on Wall Street for J.P. Morgan and Citibank. However, in 2007, he left a promising career and a six-figure job to start an online information marketing business, Ron Douglas Publishing, and spends more time with his kids. Ron went on to earn millions from his online business and from traditional book publishing while working from home. Now today, Ron enjoys helping students worldwide with his proven strategies for building a lifestyle business that enables you to earn passive reoccurring income. Man, I want to learn more about this guy. So please welcome to the show, the one and only Ron Douglas. Tony,
1: Tony G, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Do you ever get tired of hearing those accolades of hearing like just the stuff that you've been able to achieve?
1: Uh, Not really. Sometimes, you know, it's better you saying it than me having to explain that in an elevator, right? That's awkward. I don't have the 30-second elevator pitch down, but it's always good to hear you say good things about me.
0: Well, I definitely have lots of good things to talk about. But the first question I want to ask as we get ready to start the show today is what is your definition of success?
1: Well, that's deep, man. I mean, I would say success is just, I was always told that you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. Right. So to me, the true definition of success is being able to do what you want with your time, spend it with your loved ones, make an impact in the way you want to do it without having to necessarily worry about, you know, doing things you don't want to do for money. So to me, that's the definition of success.
0: I like it. I think think there's a good grounding point for us today. I'd like to know a little bit of your background, just so that it paints a picture for the audience a little bit. Tell me about your childhood kind of growing up. What kind of student were you in school?
1: I was a really good student, and I was an all-A student, especially as a child. So I went to, uh, fortunately, I had a pretty rocky background, which is surprising that I did so well in school based on my my family life. I was kind of from a kind of dysfunctional household, single-parent household. My father passed away six weeks before I was born, so I never met my dad. He was found, uh, he was was killed. He was found dead on a rooftop in, in Harlem, so I had never met him. And you would think, you know, feel sorry for me, but I never met him, so I never felt like any remorse, because I grew up, my grandfather was kind of like my father. My mother struggled with uh, drug addiction early on, so I grew up with my grandfather in his house and my grandparents in their house, and, uh, you know, they, they he pretty much was my, my dad, so he, I pretty much followed his lead. He was my first role model, and he paid for me to go to private school early on, and I did did well, didn't want to let him down, and uh was into my books. And I was really into sports a lot, really into basketball. And that's all I ever did. And that, that's what really kept me in line, kept me off the streets, because I knew if I failed off the uh, the basketball team, that wouldn't be good. I wouldn't be able to play. So I kept my grades up because I just wanted to play basketball. I wanted to go to the NBA. <laughs> I wanted to, wanted to play for the Knicks. That was my dream. And I started to learn early on, you know, sports kind of teaches you If you work hard, you get better and you see your improvements right away. You know, you work on your ball handling all day and you see like, you know, a month later, you're handling the ball better and making better moves. And it just gave you that, you know, instant, not instant, but it just showed you the the results of your hard work. And if you put in the work, what you got back from it. So I think that that pretty much sums up my childhood in a nutshell.
0: No, I appreciate it. And it's deep, right? Like six weeks before you're born, you lose your, your father when you look at your life and you're you're thinking about that, you can't get and make more time. So it's love and impact and the ability to have somebody like your grandfather raise you, mentor you, kind of coach you, kind of help you, then pay for you to go to a private school. And then your dedication and time that you spent, I think, really taking a skill, which is duplication. Because when you're on the basketball court, you got to duplicate, you got to find these moves, you got to work on this. It's day in and day out. And who were some of your early idols on the Knicks that had literally inspired you to say like I'm going to play in the NBA, I'm going to play on the Knicks, and maybe just maybe they'll still be around and I can shoot some hoops with them? Like, who'd you have as some kind of early guys on the Knicks that you kind of looked up to?
1: Oh, early on, you know, you're talking late '70s, early early '80s. You know, like guys like uh, Bernard King, maybe uh, Pat Ewing a little bit, but I never really thought I could be like him because he was seven <laughs> foot, but I used to really idolize him. Uh, guys that weren't very athletic. Like, I wasn't too athletic, but I had skills, right? So guys that worked hard in their skills, like like Trent Tucker was a guy like that. He was an amazing shooter, even though he wasn't a, a beast, like, athletically, but, you know, guys like that. I mean, I, I liked other guys, too, in the NBA, besides just on the Knicks. Like, I used to follow guys like Joe Dumars, Charles Barkley. I think I kind of gravitated towards guys that The
0: bad boys, Pistons, and then the Suns, the underdog, never could win, always got close to the end, but could never win a championship. I still love his heart and his
1: passion. Right. I I think I gravitated towards guys that had some limitations athletically like I did. Like if you look at a guy like Joe Dumars, he wasn't the fastest, wasn't the most athletic, but he just found a way to get it done through all that work. A guy like Charles Barkley, he was you know probably only six foot five, but played power forward and just outworked everybody and, and got rebounds. and that type of thing. But when
0: you look at your beginnings, kind of like some of the stuff that you were able to translate from the court to the books to study, where'd you end up like really deciding one day to go get your MBA? Like where did that come in your journey of kind of, as we go up success mountain today, talking about some of your accolades and some of the things that you're doing, where did that kick in? Did you have somebody that had an MBA that like you were like, okay, I'm not going to go to the MBA, but I'll go get my MBA.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, after college, my coach, his sister worked, my college coach, his sister worked at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and she pretty much got me in the door into this training program for college grads. And that's how I got into Wall Street. And that's my career. Maybe I'll go for my MBA and they'll pay for it. I could do it nights and weekends. So that's what I ended up doing.
0: So. All right. So you get an opportunity to get a foot in the door at J.P. Morgan. You're on Wall Street. What's your like mindset like? Are you like, hey, I made it on big time? Like, Because I know there's got to be a stigma because once you step on Wall Street, from everything that I've heard, all the books that I've read and the movies that I've seen, it is hustle, grind, sleepless nights, working hard. Like, It's not as easy and glamorous as you may think it is. Well, what was it like for you?
1: Honestly, I hated it. <laughs> I, hated it. I felt like a, a fish out of water. To be honest with you, man, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I've always been. I've always been that kid to be outside selling Kool-Aid or selling lemonade or shoveling snow or anything to make an extra buck. That's one thing that my grandfather kind of instilled in me early on. So I kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit and just felt suffocated. I felt like I was smarter than the bosses and didn't get enough acknowledgement. I felt like I could do a lot more and make a bigger impact than what they had me doing. And also, it kind of sucked just being there, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week working that grind. And, and, you know, by the time I was really in the groove of my career in Wall Street, I also had my daughter and my wife and daughter at home and I wanted to spend more time with them. So I was really just looking for a way to make my online business work, which I started part time while I was working on Wall Street to kind of figure that out to get out of there. <laughs> and,
0: did they, the did go. the books come while you were kind of working Wall Street? Was that idea kind of there?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I was doing that part-time. So I was working on Wall Street. This was uh 2003. I started publishing self-publishing cookbooks. Those cookbooks America's Most Wanted Recipes. So I kind of found a good niche early on which was restaurant recipes. All right, so, copycat restaurant recipes. People don't want to know how to make their favorite dishes from Olive Garden, Red Lobster, Cheesecake Factory. So, that was the little niche that I found. And I was self publishing, building up my following, building up my audience part time while I worked at JP Morgan. And I didn't get the uh, book deal until 2008. So, I self published for many years before actually getting that book deal.
0: Wow. You know, it's fascinating. So many people, like listening, are on a journey. We're all on this journey of life. We have these ideas and dreams to go take a risk, take a chance. Tell me, full time working Wall Street, part time working on your dreams, what did you spend more time really
1: working on? Oh, the dream, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, sometimes it's, it might have been how I got laid off, too, because I was, you know, a lot of times I had an assistant actually working for me while I was working for JP Morgan. So on my lunch break, I would call him and give him stuff to do. So I was running my business from there. At the time, which might have led to me getting laid off.
0: I think a lot of people, if you ask them who are like entrepreneurs now, probably tried to leg out that deal a little bit longer, you know, rather than just walk into the boss and like, hey, I'm going to quit. Like, I know that I've done it. Like, I to just see how much longer I can go until they say it's time to go. Like, we don't have a place for you anymore. And you kind of you kind of work yourself out of a job. Now, one thing that I'm really proud of, I've gotten a chance to sit down with you numerous times. And the thing that's very, very clear is you just have a big heart. You have a heart to serve and to lead. And I think that's another thing why I wanted to have you on the show is because I think success as we were talking about time and you know, if you have the money to go do it. But I know if I'm going to a barbecue, I know where I'm going. I'm going to Ron's house because I know Ron's going to pull out some of his career recipes he's been able to knock off. I know we're going to eat well. I know we're going to have a good time. I know there's going to be a hoop involved. I know that there's going to be a lot of amazing people around. And that's the thing that I just got to tell you, man, I admire about you. I think you keep amazing company. I think you keep really good people near your chest. I think that you've done an incredible job and we'll get into a little bit of the stuff that you've been doing recently. But one of the questions that I have through all of this is now your daughter and your wife, what was your support like at home? Like maybe I believe in you or maybe like we can't do this anymore. You got to go get another job. Like tell me a little bit of that mindset going through kind of 2007, finally getting a deal in 2008 early on as your entrepreneurial career kind of really took off.
1: Yeah. My wife is an absolute doll, man. She's then my biggest supporter, my my number one fan, and it's a funny story. Like every day, I used to come into my office, and I had a, a post-it note there that said um, February 2008, and that was the day I was going to leave that job, no matter what. Because at that point, I was making more from my business than I was from the job, even. But I was kind of double dipping, and you know, I wasn't sure if it was the right thing. But I said February. 2008. That was the day I was going to get my bonus. They gave out bonuses in February. And then I would be like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was going to step away. So I had that on my desk every day and I would look at it every morning. And then in July, 2007, they called me in the office and they pretty much told me they, they no longer need my services. They're reorganizing and they let me go. So they did me a huge favor July, 2007, before that February, 2008 deadline. And I remember being shocked, being sad, being like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then I called my wife and I told her, I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm about to get on the train. I have all my stuff. They laid me off till today's my last day at the job. I got one month's severance. I don't know what we're going to do. She was like, what do you mean? Isn't this what you wanted? (laughs) I'm like, what? And I was expecting it to be a little bit afraid, like, you know, because it was just a shock to me. And she said, "Now you can work on your business full- time. Are right? you already making good money from it?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's right, that's right. This is what I wanted." So she kind of uh, laid those fears and put me on the right track, but initially, it was a shock when they called me in and laid me off. But yeah, she's been my, my best supporter, and it was a, they did me a huge favor. It was a huge blessing to kind of have that decision made for you, because I don't I honestly don't know if I would have been able to do it. <laughs> February 2008, even though I said I, I was. But my career really took off after that. That's when I, you know, I, six months later, ended up getting a book deal and ended up getting on a bunch of TV shows and all that stuff. So my career really took off after that. I love the piece
0: about your wife going like, like, we'll figure it out. Like, I think that's such a powerful reinforcement. You know, I have a great lady who sits on the side of me and we walk together through life, through the ups and downs. And I think it's important to have a partner, somebody who's supporting you. I hear a lot of entrepreneurs though, who don't have these types of relationships. They don't. And they're like, yeah, man, it's tough. Like I don't have any support at home. What would you say to an entrepreneur today listening who maybe doesn't have support at home? What would you tell them, give them a piece of advice or a tip or something that you would tell them to maybe work on that? Because I think that's a golden piece of information and insight. And it's such a great opportunity because I don't think I would be where I'm at today if my wife wasn't willing to do everything that she's done to help make everything possible. Because I'm here working to try to put food on the table like you are. And she's taking care of a lot of the stuff that doesn't get a lot of credit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's tough. It is tough. I mean, first I would say, you know, don't marry somebody that's not supportive. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in that situation, I, I think that... Just communication, just understanding expectations and um, kind of like letting them know your financial situation and being able to, before you jump into something like that as well, you want to have some type of resources, some type of income in the bank, some type of stability, right? Because you don't want to, the worst thing to do is put someone else in a situation where they're unstable with you, right? So you want to have, before you take that leap, you definitely want to have some money in the bank, have some type of. Asset that is producing money for you. Like when it happened for me, I had my email list, right? I know I could always make money from my email list. I had my connections in the industry. I was already kind of established. So I didn't really just jump off the edge. And, and you know, they say entrepreneurs jump off a cliff and then figure out how to open a parachute on the, on the <laughs> way down or figure out how to save their life on the way down. The, well, I, I love it, You hurt, said- but I didn't do that.
0: You said 2003, more or less, you kind of started your online business. 2003, the book publishing, your self-publishing your books. You know, you had the idea of February 2008, this is going to happen. But 2007, you kind of are gifted the, uh, hey, here's your golden ticket. Okay, fine, I'll figure it out. And then you went back to the old faithful. It was like, you're a marketer, man. You just said, okay, I got a list. I can make money. Right. Like That is a true gift that a lot of entrepreneurs can't say. I'm 17 years into business. My golden list is on my cell phone. You still have my cell phone. You got a golden list, but you got to know how to market. I'm not really a great guy with tons of names in a database where I'm selling you a bunch of stuff, but I know talking to you, that was kind of like something that you just were good at because I think you're writing a recipe book and then all these people are interested in KFC, you know, Cheesecake Factory. They're they're wanting to know the secrets. Tell me how you did it. How did you self-publish your books? How did you figure out how to get the golden recipes? Like, what was the mindset behind all of this stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look back at it, it looks like, wow, how'd you figure all that out? But as you're doing it, it's kind of just like step by step, day by day. You figure one thing out. Oh, that worked. That didn't work. Okay, this worked. Let me try more of this, do less of that. You know, so you kind of, and I just studied this stuff with a a passion. It was just my my thing, right? I studied everybody, looked at everybody that was doing what I wanted to do and kind of modeled after them networked with some people that were in the industry, a lot of people that were in the industry and kind of just picked their brain and figured out what was working for them and just slowly, you know, implemented different things. And, you know, the recipes, I'm not a chef. I'm not a, you know, people think I am. I play a chef on television, but the recipes, a lot of the recipes, people in my community on on my site and people out there on the internet had had tried them already. So it was just me uh, trying them also and then adding my different flavors and ingredients to it to make it my own recipe. So I had a, a base to start with, which was, you know, these recipes were already being tried out there. I just kind of compiled them, packaged them together, tested them. I hired a chef to work with me to to make it come closer to the restaurant originals. But, you know, that was pretty much how it was done. It's more It was more research and less me being a, a chef. And just list building, I created a, a product that people could promote so that affiliates could promote other websites other blogs could promote and earn a commission on and back then also google adwords was really just starting out and google adwords man you can get some cheap traffic especially for you know outside niches like recipes or you know cooking so i was getting 5 and 10 cent clicks back then and my affiliates were getting that and i was reinvesting a lot of the money back to keep building up uh, my email list and you know i was sending people to the sales page and if you didn't want to buy the cookbook I would just say, OK, I'll give you some sample recipes to try out in exchange for your email. So that's how I was pretty much able to build a huge email list. And also with list building, I just kind of tied in my email list with, with everything I did. Right, So if I send out an email, I tell people, hey, refer this to a friend so I could try to get more people on the email list. Or I had a message board on the website. And when you sign up for the message board, you get added to the email list. Like everything I did was attached to an email list. People sign up for my Facebook page. I refer them to the email list. So I just had that focus and just kept building it up because that's how I really got started in the game was list building.
0: That is cool. Like if you think about it, like what Ron just gave you was like, what's the goal? What's the end game? Well, collateral is an email list. You know, I, I know that they say there's a specific dollar amount attached to each name. If you have so many names, it's worth so much. But his ask was... Hey, if you don't want to buy this, can I ask you something? Can I get you onto my list? I'll give you some samples. Oh, would you mind sharing this? So ask is something big coming out of your mouth today is like ask. Like you asked people, mentors, hey, can I ask you some questions? Can I get some insight? You asked a chef to kind of then go and look through your recipes and make them better. Yep. How powerful is an ask today in your life? Like how much has it played into where you're at today?
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, like what is I a... Closed mouths don't get fed, right? So you got to definitely ask for what you want. And it's also great if you're in a position to reciprocate for what you're you're asking for, right? If you make it a win-win, right? So I'm asking these people to refer a friend, but they know that the content that I have in this email newsletter was good. They liked it. So they happily would refer a friend. So I, you know, ask people to promote the site, but they see that this offer is converting so they know they're going to make money and they see that I already have an audience. So I'm able to reciprocate and help them as well. So I'm asking these chefs to help me formulate these recipes and put together and test them and stuff. But the chefs know that if they help me, they're going to get exposure to my audience, right? So it kind of helps to be in a position where you can make a a win-win offer.
0: A win-win offer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ron Douglas today, one of the... Coolest people to ever get a chance to hang out with. Great basketball player. I'm hoping one day we'll lace up some snakes and go out on the court and shoot around. We'll be two old guys hoping that we don't get hurt. Did you hear (laughs) about the new movie they're making with Shaq? I think they are making it with Reggie Miller, Uncle Drew. It's coming out this summer. It looks good. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I am Uncle Drew. (laughs) All these gray hairs, like I don't even need like the makeup and the costume. I just go out there and I am Uncle Drew. (laughs) Well,
0: what we're talking about today with Ron is kind of that, I got this idea, I have this thing I wanna do. I'm gonna put a deadline because maybe I'm working a 40 or 60 and I don't like my job, but I have this idea, this dream in the back of my mind. Like, I wanna push this thing out. I wanna do this. So Ron's been telling us through this Journey today about following your heart, following your dreams, be passionate about something, find yourself surrounding with good people. He says like during the heart of it, like in two thousand and seven, his daughter, his wife, you know he was like, i know it 's coming, but it came, and that was the let 's go uh, start our own full time kind of career, so he left Wall Street and he went on this just amazing journey. Of helping people. We're going to come back on the Be Fulfilled Show and we're going to be talking about kind of how that has transpired into masterminds, online meetings, giant speaking engagements, being somebody who is looked up to as a reputable mentor, somebody who is just a giver. So we're going to be back on the Be Fulfilled Show with today's guest, Ron Douglas. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at ShipOffers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back today, special guest on Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. Ron Douglas, New York Times bestselling author of America's Most Wanted Recipe book series, Man, sold over a million and a half copies. Congratulations. I know that you've had just amazing amount of press around you throughout your career. Good morning, America, the Home Shopping Network, Fox and Friends, NBC News, People Magazine, et cetera. Man, how did it feel having those cameras turned on you?
1: Uh, <laughs> it was nerve wracking. But, you know, I knew it was something I had to do and I knew I had to kind of seize the opportunity, but but as an introvert, it was kind of kind of nerve wracking. But You know, it it was cool. I just kind of just went in there and I was well prepared and I knew my topic and I knew they used to tell me, I had a publicist that told me, just have three things that you want to talk about and always come back to one of those three things and you could get through the interview. Because the first, very first interview I did, I wasn't able to mention much of anything. I didn't mention my website and I left there thinking like, wow, that was the fastest eight minutes I've ever seen. It felt like about a minute. And if you don't know what you want to get across... The questions come fast, and you don't kind of you can't frame it the way you want to frame it. You can't kind of dominate the conversation. The host would just take over and just rush you off of there. So I kind of learned my lesson from that first interview, and then I started really getting my money's worth, being able to mention the book and mention recipes from the book, and mention my website, and, and really get the points across that I wanted to get across. So I got a lot better at it over time.
0: So 2008, 2009, publicist, it sounds like there's just amazing things that are happening in your life. Was it a whirlwind tour for you? Did it seem like, wow, like I went from nobody was calling, you know, asking me to be on television to everybody's calling. How did you manage that? Because I know that being in front of a camera or television or maybe radio, it's overwhelming at times because you just feel like you're being pulled. How are you able to stay just level grounded? Was it being an introvert or what was something that was helpful for you through that process?
1: Well, my wife was a, a big help. You know, she kept me grounded. I remember one time I was on Fox and Friends. And then right after Fox and Friends, I got into a, a black car. I was on my way home and the publicist hands me the telephone. And it's another interview that, I, that someone else wanted to interview me. I'm like, dude, I just got off TV. Do I have to do this interview? He's like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. So I had no idea who I was talking to. And it turned out it was the uh, Today Show on um, Bing or MSN. They show on MSN. So they had taken that interview afterwards and published it on the homepage of MSN. And then it was just crazy the amount of traffic. Now, it had a live link to my website. I was getting so much traffic and it like crashed the site. I had to like take down my databases and just have like a plain static HTML page because I was getting way too many queries. And it was just a crazy day. I remember. And I remember getting home. So that morning I had to prepare some food to take to Fox and Friends and I left dishes in the sink because I had to kind of run out. So I got home and then my wife was there and I said, hey, did you see me? I was on Fox and Friends. I came in like I was some type of, you know, big shot. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I saw you. Um, You're going to wash those dishes in the sink? (laughs) So I immediately... (laughs) She immediately brought me back down to earth. And I went from being on Fox and Friends to to washing the dishes that were were in the sink and taking out the garbage and doing all the regular stuff. So it was a huge blessing, but I never really got too big headed about it. I was just happy that it was there while it was there. And I knew I had to just keep doing those interviews while I was trending story.
0: You're always a trending story on my timeline. I always see something fun come out of you. you. Got a great sense of humor, too. And we're talking about Ron. If you're not following Ron on Facebook Follow along. He has a lot of fun. He's always got a, a ha-ha or an LOL after what he's doing because I love that this is a gentleman who, as we talked about in the very beginning, lost his father. He was raised by his grandfather. He had a chance to really put in the time on the court to to understand what it takes to do the hard work. And then fast forward, he's got all these amazing things happening in his life. And somehow all this turned into just publishing Books and getting a publicist and having this. And I love the fact of your wife, too. I, I think that's funny. Like, when you think about it, you're at the top of your game. It's like Michael Jordan wins the championship, and his wife's like, um, Are you going to clean up your room? Because there's stuff everywhere. And you're like, Oh, okay, darn. I will, I will do that. I got to remember, I do have to take some care of these responsibilities. But I want to transition to kind of what you're up to today because I know the book stuff is still going on. You're teaching people today. You have students. You run masterminds. You have courses. You're helping people. Talk about modern day Ron Douglas and the things that you're really kind of involved with. And we'll pick some things and we'll go down a couple of little roads as we get ready to get to the fulfillment round in just a few, but I want to learn about what you're doing today. People are tapped in. They're like captivated by you. I can already tell what are some things that are just really important in your life besides your family.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at what I did, you know, I sold all these cookbooks and whatnot, and that was great and all for entertaining folks and for, uh, you know, helping people in the kitchen. But I kind of felt a need to kind of give back to the community that helped me get to where I was at and kind of share what I was doing and what worked for me and how I got to where I am. So I started teaching people, especially writers, you know, how to publish a book, how to get a book deal, how to build an audience. Started teaching people online marketing and the stuff that I learned and kind of on my way to mastering my craft the things that i learned the things that i learned not to do the things that i learned work best so i kind of found that that was my thing for making an impact in other people's lives and that was kind of what i gravitated to and that's what kind of felt good for me right cuz you know you look at what you're doing you have your company ship office and you guys are absolutely crushing it ink 5000 doing really well at the top of your game but you're taking time to do this podcast to help people be fulfilled and help people, you know, get the most out of their life. And it's an amazing thing. And it just feels good. It's gratifying. It feels like you kind of want to give back in that way. And that's what I found an outlet for through my business now, through masterminds and through producing information products and doing summits is I could directly help people in some way that want to be kind of in the same position that I am. That they They're kind of inspired by what I've done and what I've accomplished. So that feels good for me. You
0: know, you were talking about masterminds and we were just, when this, this comes out, we had just gotten back from traffic and conversion in San Diego and you put on an event with Sam Bell. Talk a little bit about that. And you know, I want people because I want people to look out for them because I know it's such a great opportunity to be in a room surrounded by people such as yourself and Sam, along with all the other entrepreneurs in the room. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sam Bell, he's an expert at Facebook advertising. He has a Facebook ad agency and we're good friends. And we said, you know, we're going to the traffic and conversion event. We were talking about getting an Airbnb together. I said, well, what if we go there? All these marketers are going to be out there. What if we have a mastermind there? And he was like, that'd be cool. So I was like, Hey man, we could have people rent out. We could rent out a big Airbnb and have a bunch of people stay there and mastermind and have some breakthroughs and, and teach people some stuff. So that's what we decided to do and was like, okay, what are we going to call it? So I was like, okay, well, we're going to need a big Airbnb. Maybe we could rent out a mansion or something. So we ended up calling it the Millionaire Mansion event, right? So we rented out this mansion in La Jolla and we had uh, eight bedrooms there. We had a bunch of people share rooms and whatnot. So we ended up having 14 entrepreneurs there and it was just a great experience. And everybody, we benefited from the collective knowledge of the room and everybody got their business analyzed and got some tips for what they can do moving forward and just brought everybody together to help each other in a collaborative way. And it was just a a great experience to, you know, we brought some outside speakers in as well to teach some things, but it was a great three-day learning experience. We had a lot of fun as well. We had a private chef there. We had some after hours activities. So I would definitely do it again. I learned some things from it as well. And the other thing was that that was the first time I, I did something like that a mastermind like that. I've done them for free before where I have a bunch of friends over, but that was the first time getting a group of people in a remote location and doing that. So I really believe that everything you do like that, that's outside of your comfort zone or that's something new, it kind of brings you closer to mastering your craft, right? You got to do the things that don't feel immediately comfortable to you. And once you gain that skill, you become a a better person, better at what you do. And that was the purpose of it besides just, you know, giving back and helping people. That was the other benefit for me uh, personally for doing that.
0: I like the fact that you said you were learning stuff too, because I think a lot of times when you're teaching, it's very hard to actually be learning because there's so much stuff going on and you're kind of like, I had to be in this, but because you had Sam and you had other people come in, you get a chance to step back and you, I'm just proud of you, man. I, I think, what you're creating, what you're doing, I think it's changing lives. And I think that's the one thing that I'm gonna get it to take away from this very beginning. I asked you this question early on today. Tell me some people that you looked up to in the 70s and 80s. And you mentioned some really phenomenal people. And then you started getting into Charles Barkley and you got into Joan Dumars. And you started talking about these things. And the important fact that I keep coming back is you know, being raised by a single parent, eventually living with your grandfather and the importance of mentoring and coaching and people believing in you. And what you're doing today is believing in others. And that is one of the greatest gifts that we can provide, I think, is that we all need coaching and mentoring. We all have blind spots. We can't see what we can't see. But you put people like you, I was able to throw a private party. I put you at a table. I looked over the whole night. You were just giving insight and helping others. And I knew that you were the right person to put at that table. And I knew you were the right person to have in the room because I know that your heart at the end of it is big and you want to love on people. And I think that's a great quality. I think that's a really just magical quality. I just wanted to tell you that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Tony. That was an amazing event, too. I think everybody walked away from that feeling a lot more fond of you as well but but just in general just having a great experience at that event
0: you'd be proud of me i actually built an email list out of it and i actually sent out marketing that was like the first time i've ever done something like that i was like wow i should be proud i was actually listening to ron before ron was even on the show i was taking his advice so what i'd like to do with you is jump you into the fulfillment round fulfillment round is where you can't phone a friend you, you got to answer the question please don't be the guy to say pass if you don't know the answer have some fun. Make it up. I'm going to start you easy. I'm going to take you through about three to four minutes worth of questions. We'll play off of your answers. We'll have some fun. You ready to play? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to field a three-on-three basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pick anybody to be on your team, but I'm not going to tell you who you're playing against until after. So who is on your three-on-three team? Anybody in the world. Anybody in the world. I'll give you anybody. And I have to pick... Uh-huh. Two people
1: I'm playing as well? Yep.
0: Yeah, you got, of course you got to be one of them. Uh, I would do
1: Jordan and Shaq. Damn, I can't use Shaq. Okay, fine.
0: <laughs> um, interesting. I would take Patrick Ewing because he never won a championship, and I think he would be fun to play and battle in his early days against Shaq. So I'd take, I'd take that. And I would probably, to be honest with you, I'd take Dennis Rodman in his early days when he was a hustler. And I think beca- between all of us, I think we could match up pretty well. So that would be my, okay. my, my comeback.
1: That would be interesting. Who's going to go out, Jordan? I guess you're going to go out, Jordan. I,
0: I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. I got Ewing under there to, to block out. So it would be, it'd be interesting because I ain't that good. Tell me your top three recipes that you were able to discover through some of your books that you've been able to master at home. Top three recipes that you've been able to master at home that taste just, I know all of them taste just like the real thing, but three that you've been able to master.
1: A KFC chicken recipe was the one that got me the original recipe. KFC was the one that got me a lot of publicity. So I've done that dozens of times because I had to bring it to different TV shows. And I had people, reporters come over and, and taste tested and said it came pretty close. Red Lobster Biscuits, the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. I just, it's just a personal favorite. My kids love that one. And I would say um, the Cheesecake Factory Oreo Cheesecake. Just a favorite of mine. I don't eat it as much anymore. I'm trying to shed some pounds. I gained a lot of weight doing that whole run with the the recipes and stuff. I was looking at one of my uh, old interviews the other day, and Buddy Shiresh, our our fellow friend, he was like, wow, you were really eating good back then, huh? (laughs) I was on Home Shopping Network looking like a, a New York giant. (laughs)
0: Hey, somebody needs to taste test some stuff. Why not me? I love it. And that's another thing about you, Ron, that I love in the morning. You're out like you're already at the gym sweating. I love how you post kind of like, hey, I'm in the gym sweating and like there's sweat and like you're taking a photo of yourself and you're like, I'm in the gym at least sweating, but you're hustling, you're working hard, you are getting in shape. I appreciate that. All right. So you and your wife, no kids, favorite place to just get away. Just favorite place, maybe for the night, just to get away, you and your wife.
1: Me and my wife. We love to go out to eat. All right. So we would go to Manhattan and we would go to this place called Blue Water Grill. They had a, a basement there where they'd have live jazz and they had seafood. And it was just one of our favorite. It was actually our, our first date was at the Blue Water Grill. Very and cool. I spent a pretty penny on that. But yeah. But she was like impressed. And I got a second date. So, so we used to go there actually, you know, a few times a year when we lived on Long Island.
0: You posted last week, you hope that you got lucky when you went out with your wife. Do you remember that post?
1: Yeah, yeah, I thought it was funny.
0: (laughs) No, I loved it. I think that's the thing that you got to remember. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And Ron has figured out how to have fun through all of this. And some of the ups and downs that he's gone through still left the guy with a huge smile on his face. Somebody who I literally, if you don't know Ron and you listen to this interview and you want to get to know Ron, I'm going to encourage you at the end of the show notes. Reach out to Rod, get connected to what he's doing in the cookbooks and in the industry and in the investing, find one of his masterminds, be able to attend one of his events, because what you're going to find is somebody who at the end of the day has a big heart and he loves to help people. So we talked about favorite place. We talked about basketball. You have a mentor, you have a coach, somebody that you reach out to on a regular basis.
1: You know, that's one thing I kind of have been missing. I, I really need to, to get a mentor. I kind of have like a collective mentorship thing happening with a bunch of peers right, that I reach out to and I bounce ideas off of. And there's people I follow online, but I can't say that I have one mentor that I've gone to, which you know, most people that have succeeded have mentors, but I can't say that I have one person that I can call right now and say, hey, you know, you're my mentor you know, at a much higher <laughs> level, which I probably need to get.
0: All right. If I was to sneak a peek in to your Audible account or look at a Kindle and check out what's going on. What would I find? What kind of books? What kind of magazines? What kind of articles are you into these days? What kind of things are you researching?
1: Yeah, you know a lot of self help type books. You know, the Thinking Grow Rich was one of the major books that had a huge impact on me. You might find some marketing related books, like scientific advertising, and you know, uh, ready fire aim. You know, books like that, and you know, you might find just music. <laughs> Okay, accounts.
0: so like I'm going to ask that question because that's perfect. If I was to ask, what was your favorite artist, like music? If I had to pick, like, okay, I'm going to listen on a, I'm going to rock out with my girl on a Saturday night or I'm going to go shoot hoops with my boys on Sunday morning. What kind of music would we find you listening to?
1: Right. Well, well, growing up, I listened to a lot of 70s music at home. My mother was a big music. She had a huge music a collection. She was a big connoisseur of music. She had all these albums. So I used to fall asleep every night. To all of these, you know, kind of cool in the gang and (laughs) the 70s type music. So I would say I have an old taste in in music. I would say my favorite guy would be uh, Stevie Wonder. I actually saw him live and he's one of my my favorite people of all time. But I listen to a little bit of everything. You know, I listen to pretty much, you know, pop, like guys like Bruno Mars or even hip hop, like some of these, these young guys, even though I can barely understand what they're saying.
0: Are you a singer at all? Do you ever, like, kind of sing in the shower or sing around the house when the tunes come on? Or are you kind of just a guy just kind of grooves?
1: You know, I can't sing, but I'll sing anyway. I'm just a wacky guy at home. My wife (laughs) tells me just what's wrong with you? I'm just always – at home, I'm just always, you know, playing with the kids and doing wacky stuff. Well –
0: I just want to tell you, it's been an absolute honor and a journey to take you you know, up success Mount to learn some of the ups and the downs, some of the challenges, but also just to know how you've been able to keep moving forward, how you've never taken your eye on where you're going and what you're up to, and you've got a great partner and your wife, surrounded by great family and a good group of friends, and you're constantly working on evolving and building, and I think, better relationships. So I just want to say thanks for coming on the show today, giving us some of your time. I'd love to find one piece of advice that's been beneficial in your life that you kind of maybe reflected on, gone back to over and over again, that's always proven to be true for you.
1: Yeah, I would just say that you just have to have a clear vision of what you want to achieve and just have that focus, focus on it, right? So that's been key in my life, you know. I, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do, but I, I knew what I wanted the outcome to be, right? In terms of my lifestyle, in terms of how I wanted to live and who I wanted to spend my time with. So I kinda always had that focus and the rest worked itself out. As long as you have that passionate focus, you'll tend to figure things out along the way. That's been my my journey.
0: All right. How does the audience get connected with you? What's the best way?
1: Yeah, you can reach me at rondouglas.com, dot com or on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash like Douglas. You can reach me on there on my, my fan page.
0: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, today's special guest, Ron Douglas, like one of the coolest people you ever get a chance to hang around with. So find out where Ron's going and make sure you are there. That is Ron Douglas. This is Be Fulfilled. Until next time, my name is Tony Grubmeyer. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.